All right, well, thank you, Sheila. That was uh, so good to sort of center and get grounded, uh, particularly after the chaos of the last week. It's, it's tough being here, sort of like throwing everything out into the void, not knowing how y'all are doing, and that's uh, really what I miss the most, is uh, just being able to see you all greet you face to face and ask how you're doing. That's really what's on my mind. Simply wondering with how everyone is coping. Because I'm sure that we all have different responses to the events of the last week, and that makes sense based on our age, our health, the kind of work we do, and how much community we have in our home, is the last week will affect many of us differently. And, and it's tough, because we know so little right now. There's no way how to know how our lives will be reshaped and how the world will be a little bit different. And, and I don't know about y'all, but like, I'll, I'll read one thing online and feel really comforted. And, and then I'll look at some other prog prognosticator that makes some really dire prediction and my mood changes. Sometimes I feel hopeful when I see people restricting their activities for the sake of others. And, and then sometimes I feel sort of just like uh, scared and depressed when I see how the, the necessary preventative measures affect the most vulnerable in our society. Like uh, yesterday, I was in line at the grocery store, like many of you, I'm sure. And uh, as I was checking out, the checker right behind me coughed. And I felt myself tense up just a little bit. And then I heard her announce, don't worry, don't worry, I'm not sick. I just have bronchitis and asthma. And my heart sank a little bit because, she, well, just simply because she had to reassure everyone that she wasn't a threat to them. And then probably more so because she was in a super public place all day with respiratory conditions that put her at greater risk. It, it just feels like all of a sudden, the way we've lived our lives has changed. Our jobs probably look different. Our social life looks different. I mean, our kids are home. And we have no idea what changes lay ahead in the coming weeks, or I mean, frankly, even this afternoon. So I think a lot of us are end up glued to our phone, trying to find out the latest news. Everything feels different, but in some ways, it also feels a little familiar. Nine years ago, my life changed drastically in a matter of days. At the time, Emily, my wife, and I were living in Cairo, Egypt, and, and we just sort of had this really great, chill life. We both had good jobs. We had friends that we really enjoyed, and we loved where we lived. And then suddenly, our life changed. Out of nowhere, the Arab Spring was upon us. Our peaceful, tree-lined suburb was suddenly filled with constant gunfire. The government shut off the internet and cell phones. 
and there is a military curfew making us stay home after 3 p.m. Really, the whole country shut down. Our life came to a screeching halt, and we moved into survival mode. And of course, this affected our life in all kinds of ways. And, and those were unique to that situation. But the last few days, I've had a lot of familiar feelings. And, and some of those feelings are in response to seeing what's really always true. Like right now, I feel a little bit unmoored because I have no idea what the future brings. And, and this is a new feeling because I rarely just like face the reality that I can't control my future. So, so even though it's always true that I can't protect myself from life-threatening illnesses like cancer, I, I usually don't face those things until now, when there's a pandemic. So now I have this wave of emotions that feel new. And in addition to those emotions, I also have emotions that are really new because the situation is new, or at least new for many of us. Most of us live our lives in an environment where our physical safety isn't really a concern. But now there's been a sudden shift where the outside world feels threatened. Being in public means we could be at risk, or we could put other people at risk without knowing it. There's a shrinking of the spaces where we feel safe. Like we don't have to worry too much when we're in our homes and our apartments. But once we're in public, we need to be pretty wary. And that's a pretty dramatic shift in how we feel and how we live in the world. Our basic social structure has changed. But but not necessarily for the worse. Our loss of natural connections to friends and coworkers can either isolate us or bring us together. Our unease in public can pull us away from human connection or it can demonstrate our need for one another. At least that's what I saw during the Egyptian Revolution. I want to read you something that I wrote a couple years ago about uh, like a little reflection on the revolution. With all the chaos of the world swirling around us, as our basic sense of safety evacuated, our life changed, and what it meant to be the church changed. Rather than preparing a sermon or leading a group discussion, I spent my days visiting congregants, bringing food to those who were forbidden from leaving their apartments, helping people evacuate the country, and assuring those who decided to remain. We got countless phone calls throughout the day as people would check in, wondering how the situation was developing. And, and during those weeks, it felt like the church was functioning 
as it was meant to, to function for thousands of years in the past. The church body, not the building, was the lifeblood of our community. And, and I didn't even really quite realize this until weeks later when uh, someone in our church called, or actually he told us that he would call us every day on landlines because our cell phones were cut off. He'd call every day because as long as the church was there, as long as the community was there, he felt he could remain in the country. The Egyptian revolution created a situation where the church was able to live into her call. But, you know, it also couldn't have done so without the, the years of hard work preceding that rapid turn of events. The turmoil actually revealed years of community building, of shared worship, of shared service and support, that these things had built a level of trust that enabled our church to play a critical role in the time of crisis. Our, our church really functioned as a point of connection in what was a really scary and isolating time. And, and this, this worked on different levels. Like I was thinking back more about it this week. Uh, like I remembered that uh, there were some folks in our church, of course, that I, I barely knew. Like there was this one couple, I think they were in their 80s. I, okay, I'll be honest, they had really thick Scottish accents, so I sometimes had a hard time understanding what they were saying, and I didn't know them that well until the revolution happened, when I learned they lived two blocks from me, and that they needed someone to check in on them, so I did. I visited them in their home for the first time. And then, of course, there were other folks from church who actually we lived with during the scariest moments of the revolution, when we were really vulnerable. And, and during that time, we came together for support. We relied on one another, which built really quick and meaningful community. And, and particularly those folks that I went through this time of crisis with. Like, I've, I've been thinking of those folks this week. And I've been thinking of all of you. I've been thinking about how this time might be vulnerable and isolated. And the staff at Urban Grace have been thinking about how we can stay connected to one another. And perhaps how we can even deepen our connection. And, and you know, this is new for all of us. So we don't have anything that's ready to roll out. But we want to be there for one another. In the next week, we hopefully will start you know, coming up with a plan for how we stay connected and how we support one, another, one another's needs while also you know, doing what's necessary to stay safe. So here is what we would ask of you. Well, first of all, to stay connected to the church. You know, check your email or check for updates on Facebook. And if we don't have your contact information, we would love it. Please share it with us. I think Amanda will put in the comments an email address that you could just email your name and your address and your email address and your phone number to. And what we would also really love is that you would think about how you'd like to receive support and how you might be able to provide support for others. 
we love for you also to stay connected, to be proactive, to reach out and see how one another are doing. Well, before we close, I'm going to read scripture. And I'll just name that it feels really weird to put this at the end of the service. But today, everything is weird. And it just felt like scripture belonged here. Our scripture reading is going to come from Acts 8, verses 1 through 3. It's, it's just a few verses, but they feel particularly relevant. And I want to share just a little bit of background. Uh, in the beginning of Acts, the, the apostles, they're sort of like all the rage. They're calling down tongues of fire. They're creating this like early church hippie commune. And the gospel is, is spreading like wildfire. And that happens through the first, actually, six chapters of Acts. But then, in chapter 7, one of the apostles gets a little bit too eager. His name is Stephen. And he goes after the religious establishment. And as a result, he's killed. And that actually brings us to our passage today. So here now, Acts 8, 1 through 3. Saul was in full agreement with Stephen's murder. At that time, the church in Jerusalem began to be subjected to vicious harassment. Everyone except the apostles was scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some pious men buried Stephen and deeply grieved over him. Saul began to wreak havoc on the church, entering one house after another. He would drag off men and women and throw them in prison. This is the word of the Lord. And, and this word of the Lord, uh, Acts chapter 8, marks a drastic shift in the church. Uh, because now, being a Christian is unsafe. Now, Christians can't meet together in and I want to say, this is really different than our situation today. Christians are not being persecuted in Tacoma. But we do have a similar dynamic where we aren't meeting in person and our world just feels less safe. And as I think about what it would have been like for the early church, I'm sure that they were tempted to turn inward when they lost their security. I'm sure that it would have felt natural to isolate, to hide and focus on their own needs. But the early church does the opposite. The first thing uh, that the church does actually in verse four, that's the story of the early church welcoming the Samaritans to join the church, even though they were the traditional enemy of the, Jew of the Jewish people. And then, in the next chapter, or later in that chapter, the church welcomes an Ethiopian eunuch who's been banned from the temple because of his sexual status as a castrated man. Then in the next chapter, the church welcomes Saul, that very guy from our scripture who was wreaking havoc against the church. They join him to join. They, in, they invite him to join. And then the church welcomes Gentiles who don't keep kosher or follow the religious laws that give structure and, and sense to the Jewish faith. And, and that is the three chapters immediately following the moment when the church is scattered. When the church was threatened, it responded with love. When the church could have drawn inward to isolate, 
They reached out to those in their community who'd been rejected and welcomed them as family. In a time of fear and uncertainty, the church created community and connection. And that is our call in this time of fear and uncertainty. To come together with love and inclusion. To offer our gifts to one another and to all who are in need. Friends, the church exists for such a time as now. So friends, go be the church in the world. Our doors might have shut, but our mission has not changed. So friends, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.